we've got lots of traditions in our house around about Christmas time. We, we love Christmas time, and it started on Friday. We usually put our Christmas tree up on the 1st of December, uh, but Nicola had some training to go to, so we, we took a day off and put it up on the 30th. And, and so would you like to see a photo of my tree? Here we go. Here's a photo of my tree. Look at that. So I couldn't even get it all in. No, it's not my tree. That, that's in a mall in Florida or somewhere like that. And, and uh, so, but we put our tree up and uh, I, told, I told Nicola that when she went to our training, she had to become a Christmas tree. So we even gave her some uh, bits of Christmas tree to take with her to our training on, you see them? Little, little, so anyway, sorry, she doesn't wear them all the time. Um, but there's loads of traditions, isn't there? I used to love putting ornaments on the Christmas tree with my mom. And, and now I've inherited some of, the, of her ornaments, and we put ornaments onto our Christmas tree, or her ornaments onto our Christmas tree as well. And, and so, like, I'm putting things onto the Christmas tree that she probably had about 50, 60 years ago. I don't, I don't know. And, uh, but growing up, one of the great traditions that we had in, in, the, in the town where I came from was going to see Santa. It was a big deal. You, you never did that? Or you're not interested in that? I mean, I bet your kids want to go and see Santa, yes? Cost a fortune up the city centre, but never mind. Um, we've got it free at Pod and Elf Show. Um, and, and so one of the things was to go see, see um, Santa. And uh, Santa came to a toy shop in, in town. And I always wondered, like, how could Santa get to this little place up in the northeast of Scotland? He's probably far too busy in December to come here. But then I found out why. He came by helicopter. He didn't even need magic. Not magic. I shouldn't say magic. He didn't even need Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer to get to there. He came on, a, on that. And, uh, but the sh- shopkeepers were very wise because they got you to queue up for Santa's Grotto through the shop. And so all the toys were either side, and you queued up, and you went up one at a time. And by the time you got to the, I mean, you had a big list for Santa before you got to the end, when you went in. But by the time you got to the end, you added a load more things to it, yes? Is that what you would do? You know, like, you obviously don't enjoy Christmas. (laughs) We need to sort that out. And, uh, but I always remember what Santa used to say to us when we went in and met him. He used to say, Hello, Billy. And what do you hope to get from Father Christmas this Christmas, this, this time? And, and he didn't say, what do you want? It was quite interesting because he said, what do you hope to get? And it sort of kept the anticipation going. And so we went to bed, me and my brother went to bed on, on Christmas Eve, and, and like you couldn't get to sleep. And then you were wondering if you would get what you hoped for the next day. And so one of us was sure to wake up first about 2 o'clock in the morning and go, do you want to go and find out if Santa's been? Yeah, yeah, okay. So we get out of bed 2 o'clock in the morning and we go in the front room and Santa's been, yes! You guys haven't lived, have you? (laughs) And uh, we were so blessed because we seemed to get so many things that we hoped for. I've got some pictures of what I hoped for. See, I hoped, I was always a musician. I, I hope for a guitar. I wish I had that hair now and, and patch it, patches up and a slide and a tractor. You, sometimes you get, Christmas is great because often you get what you hope for. And sometimes you get more than what you hope for, don't you? Sometimes it's a surprise and you can't believe that you've got something. Um, but then I, I come across a guy called Dietrich Bonhoeffer. 
He was a German pastor that helped Jews during the war. And because he was doing that, uh, the Nazis put him in prison. And he found himself um, not enjoying waiting for Father Christmas to come or around the Christmas tree, which would be the German tradition. He found himself in a cold, dark cell in a place called Tegel. And uh, he hoped that he would be able to get home and see his family for Christmas. But that didn't happen. In fact, he spent two Christmases in a, in a cell, and then he was sent to a concentration camp and died there. And he couldn't go there. He couldn't go home, and he wrote letters to his family. One of the letters he wrote, he said, a prison cell, a prison cell like this is, is a good analogy for Advent. He wrote to a friend, one waits, hopes, does this or that, ultimately negligible things, but the door is locked and can only be opened from the outside. See, Bonhoeffer is saying, I'm in, I'm in this prison and I can't get out. The only way I can get out is if somebody comes, one of the guards comes and opens the door from the outside, but Bonhoeffer realized that we're all in a prison. Without Jesus, we're all in a prison and we're stuck. And we need hope. We need hope. If we don't get that hope, we, we're, we're in a mess. And, and we need somebody to come and open that up for us. You know how um, um, parents use Christmas to try and enforce good behavior on the kids? Have you ever said it? If you don't stop that behavior, you are not getting anything this year and Santa won't come. You're on the naughty list and you'll get a bag of shunners. And Scott, that's Scottish for a bag of ashes. It would be nice, wouldn't it? But Jesus isn't trying to enforce good behavior on us. He wants a relationship. And he is not looking for people who are good in prison. He is just wants to open doors and let you out. Not on parole, but to set you free, a hope for pardon, a hope for the guilty, a hope that lights up the darkest prison, hope that sweetens the most bitter of circumstances. See, when we have this hope, we can have the peace. But we need the hope to, want to get the peace. You with me? And we have a hope when we know Jesus of unimaginable, infinitesimal, unbelievable glory. That's what's waiting for us. It's a Corinthians, Paul wrote to the Corinthians, he says, no eye has seen and no ear has heard and no heart has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. He's saying, you can't even imagine what's lined up for you. I mean, I've got a wacky imagination. Have you? Oh, man, come on, guys. Come with me, you know what I mean? I've got a crazy imagination. And he said, you can't even dream of it. You can't even think it. You couldn't even dream it up if I paid you to think it. That's what we've got in front of us because that's what the hope is. J.I. Packer puts it this way. The Christmas message is that there is hope for a ruined humanity. Hope of pardon. Hope of peace with God. Hope of glory because at the Father's will, Jesus became poor and was born in a stable so that 30 years later he might hang on a cross. 
Bonhoeffer is saying there's two sides to this Christmas thing. There is the hopeless side before Jesus comes as a baby in a manger. We're stuck in this cell and we cannot get out. No amount of good behavior is going to give us parole. We can't open the cell by ourselves and we don't know Jesus. We're stuck. But then what happens at Christmas is everything changes. And those who did not deserve to get free from the cell can suddenly get free because the door has been opened by Jesus. Not because of what you have done, but because what He has done. He had the ability to come and say, I've obeyed the Father in everything. My life has been sinless and spotless, and I have got the ability to walk in and open the prison doors for people to walk free. And that's what He's done. And and when we have that hope within us, we then have peace. But you know, we discover through Bonhoeffer's writings that although he had hope, the suffering was not washed away. That's what Gabby was saying a little time ago, wasn't it? That we can have peace, but that doesn't mean we won't have pressure. And for somebody like Bonhoeffer, who was still in prison at Christmas, he wrote a letter to his mom and dad, and he put it like this. He said, viewed from a Christian perspective, Christmas in prison, a prison cell, can of course, hardly be considered particularly problematical. That's a weird statement. So I'm in prison, but it's not, from a Christian standpoint, it's not a problem. Most likely, many of those here in this building will celebrate a more meaningful and authentic Christmas than in places where it is celebrated in name only. That misery, sorrow, Poverty, loneliness, helplessness, and guilt mean something quite different in the eyes of God than according to human judgment. That God, now listen, that God turns towards the very places from which humans turn away. What about the bedroom in Aleppo? None of us would want to go there, yes? But God turns towards that and walks towards that to bring His hope and bring His peace. So he goes on to say that Christ was born in a stable because there was no room for him at the inn. A prisoner grasps this better than others. And for him, this is truly good news. And to the extent he believes it, he knows that he has been placed within the Christian community that goes beyond the scope of all spatial and temporal limits. And the prison walls lose their significance with what? Great gratitude and love, your Dietrich. Bonhoeffer grasped something. He grasped that his hope was not built on a place or a position or a circumstance where he found himself. His hope is built on a presence And that presence is the presence of Jesus. So it doesn't matter whether we find ourselves in a nice peaceful place that Gabby showed us earlier from Kenya or Ghana. Or if we find ourselves in a place in Aleppo with the bombs coming down. Or we find a place where Dietrich Bonhoeffer was in a prison in Germany. It's about the presence of Jesus that brings hope into our life. Because we're living for something a lot wider and bigger than that. 
in closing, I want to read some verses that the Apostle Paul shared with a group of Christians in, Thessalonians, in Thess Thessalonica that was going through a difficult time. Verse 13 of the second chapter, he said, But we ought always to give thanks to God for you, brothers beloved by the Lord, because God chose you as his first fruits to be served, saved through the sanctification by the Spirit and the belief in the truth. To this he called you through our gospel, so that you may obtain the glory that we can't imagine, the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 15, so that then, brothers, stand firm in the prison, in that place in Aleppo. Stand firm and hold to the traditions that you have been taught by us, either by our spoken word or our letter. Now, may our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father who loved us and gave, now listen, gave us eternal comfort, eternal hope, eternal peace, eternal comfort, and what? Good hope through grace. He's given us good hope through grace. He doesn't give us hope because we deserve hope. He steps into our lives. He steps into your world. He steps into your prison and says, I want to give you freedom. Freedom from the sin that Gabby was talking about earlier. Freedom from the comparison. Freedom from everything else that is round about. But freedom, I want to give you freedom and I want to give you hope. That is what? It's an eternal comfort. It's not just for this life or this world or for this moment. Because eternity overshadows every Christmas that we live in this world. Yes? And the glory that He's saved up for us in heaven, we can't even imagine. What a hope that is! You don't look very happy. <laughs> How does He do that through grace? Go back to verse 13 of chapter 2 of Thessalonians. He does it because, verse 13, through grace, because we're loved by the Lord. You're beloved by the Lord. That's where it starts. God doesn't hate you because He loves the world and He sent His Son to come into this world to live as a human being, to be born as a baby, to live as a human being and die on a cross because He loved you, not hate you. And because He loved you, verse 13, He chose you. He picked you out. He looked down the annals of history and he looked through eternity into this world at this moment in time and he said, I'm going to pick them even if nobody else is picking them. That's what he does for you today. And if you know Jesus, he's chosen you. You didn't choose him. He looked down from heaven and said, I want you. And when he chose us, what did he do then? 
verse 14, He called you through our gospel. So when He was choosing you, He didn't only just choose you. He shouted down with the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ that came into this world and said, this is the good news. You're free. I want to call you to good news, to hope, and to peace. And verse 13, it says, by the sanctification, grace, by the sanctification, by the Spirit, even how we become more like Christ is done by the Holy Spirit. I understand we play our part in it, but it's God that's at work in our lives. And one way or another, He will make us more like Christ. And sometimes He uses things that we don't like to make us more like Christ. Yes? But we can still be at peace in the middle of that because He's at work. Changing us from the inside out. Making us different. Making us more like Jesus. And why does He do that? Why does He love us? Why does He chooses? Why does He call us? Why does He change us, sanctify us by His Spirit? So that you may, what? Obtain glory. And that's the hope that changes everything in this world. It frees you from comparison. It frees you from stuff. It frees you from everything because our hope is not based in this world. It's based in eternity. And no matter what happens to us in this place at this time, it is nothing compared to the glory of God. My time is gone. Let's just pray quickly. By grace, He sanctifies by grace, He sustains faith by grace, and He will glorify you by grace. We can't deserve it or merit it. It's free. Believe it, rest in it, delight in it, and it's yours. At the end of the service, we're going to have some people at the front here on my left and my right. And if you want to know something about the freedom that you can have in Jesus and you don't already know that, then you can come and speak to them today. But other than that, God bless you. Go with hope and peace in your hearts. Amen.